This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by PenguinRandomHouse.com. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? If this is your first time at Truth Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years. And we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at Patreon.com slash Table. Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth's Table, a table built by and for Black women. So usually a Kimini says that line, and then she says to me, uh, welcome to the table, Steve. Hey. She can't say that to me <laughs> today because she is on next level auntie duty. And you know how I feel about that, that uh, wonderful role in the Black community, the esteemed and honored auntie of the community. But I am not by myself because we don't do monologues, Saints, uh, we, 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 which we probably could, but we don't do that here. We are joined by some wonderful company today. And so everyone, I am so excited to have joining us at the table today, Zen Clay, SMY, and y'all, y'all better get ready for this treat. Oh, hey. <laughs> no, Welcome. it's just a delight to be a part of the table literally this time around. I've been, a, I say this time around because I'm such a fan. So <laughs> thank you for having me and you are not alone in this. Yes. Thank you so much. And again, it is, it's an honor to have you. And, you know, we've been, we've been watching your work from afar and cheering you on and all the things. So it is exciting to have you here as this epitome of black girl magic at oh our boy. table. Oh boy. Black girl <laughs> magic. We're magical and we're just, we're Listen, so and, and humans and, and human beings. But you, you know that. <laughs> Amen. 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 Right. Well, I want to tell our audience a little bit about who you are. They're probably thinking, I recognize that name, Uh-oh. but let me, in, in, a, in a very good way, of course. And, uh, but if they don't know, right, uh, I want to share a little bit of details about who you are. So this is what we call the bio reading. So bear with us right now. All right. So, all right. so, so Zen Clay, S&Y, is the co-anchor of the daytime news program, NBC News Daily, and a correspondent for NBC News reporting across NBC News Now, MSNBC, Nightly News, and Today. Zinclay is known for her eclectic mix of broadcast, documentary, and digital storytelling that attracts diverse audiences to traditional and new mediums. Previously, Zinclay was a correspondent at Now This News, a Vox Media Group, where she anchored Know This, a daily evening news show, and Know This Live, a weekly political interview magazine program. Zinclay reports on justice, culture, and poverty, and is based in New York City. And you are doing all the things. Welcome. It's always awkward. awkward. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot going on, but it's good. it is. And listen, and, and that's who you are on paper in terms of your current vocational identity. But you know what? I know that's not all of who you are, mm. <laughs> right? Because yeah. we are we're even more than our biggest work accomplishments. And you have some amazing ones that we're going to talk about in our second half. But I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience in your own way. Like the stuff that's not on the Ooh. bio. What, what do you want the people to know mm. about who you really are? I love that. In my own words, I would say, I mean, uh, my online handles have always been simply Zinclay. I created that when I was in middle school. So what, 12? <laughs> I've always deeply resonated with it because there's nothing right. simple about Zinclay. So Zinclay mm. 
loves hard. She's a creator. Uh, she grew up with parents from the African diaspora, right? Ghana, Uganda. So I think Zinkle, but the, and that always felt complicated in the American US context. But then I put the simply in front of it because I was also like, some things in life for me are just simple, right? I love to laugh. I love to craft. I'm very handy. Maybe we could talk about that. My pandemic hobby was making stuff. Um, and I just simply just like love to be with people. I think abide with people, get to listen to people. And, you know, I love that you said vocational, current vocational calling, right? I think that can manifest in a lot of different ways and it has throughout my career, but yeah, I think that's me in my own verbose way. Yeah, not verbose at all. Very succinct. I can tell you do this for a living. Oh, and 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 here's here's the thing. Um, it is so important that we are known beyond uh, just words on page. We're more than just that black and white <laughs> image that summarizes our professional identity, which is important. We put a lot of effort and time into those things. But I'm so grateful to know. A, a little bit more about who you are, including this kind of crafting, creative thing you got going on. We'll talk about that as well. Let's yeah. put that in our pocket. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back. We'll get back to that because I, I think of myself as a creative person as well. If I had more time, I think I could express it. Yes, uh, in, in, in some different ways. I, I'm also curious, though, and you know, at Truth Table, we talk a lot about uh, pop culture, politics, you name it, through our our faith lens, right? Which really informs. Um, kind of our, not just our worldview, but really what kind of props us up on every side. And yes. so I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what are, yeah, what, what's the kind of ethical ecosystem that you're a part of? What what helps you to discern uh, your right from wrong and your your pursuits in life? What is grounding you? I love that. And I get that question a lot because... Um, so many of the topics I cover in news are hard, right? And dark and difficult. And for me, the core of it is faith. It always has been. I, I told my friends once, I think one of my spiritual gifts may be faith <laughs> because through all the trials and tribulations, I think that's something that has been a steady force for me. I, as you mentioned at the top, right? I cover culture and justice and poverty and those can get really heavy. And I remember vividly actually interviewing Brian Stevenson, who wrote Just Mercy, you know, innocent, he's, he's done a lot of important work. Absolutely. I remember asking him, I was like, how? And I asked him at a time when I was not feeling hopeful. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I've, I've often and always had faith. I don't always have hope. <laughs> yes, so I yes. think hope does fuel faith, right? And so it can ebb mm -hmm. and flow. And I remember in a low point, I was interviewing him and I was like, how? what keeps you going? Mm -hmm. And he just said, my work is a, an act of hope and faith. I do this because I believe things can get better. Mm -hmm. It's not an act of pessimism. So I think for me, faith has allowed me to not become a pessimist because we cover broken systems and corrupt people and um, difficult events. And it can be easy to just fall into this trap of, well, things will always be this way. But mm -hmm. for me, faith, and that has manifested, um, you know, in practicing religion, right? I do, mm -hmm. I'm plugged into different faith communities. That's mm -hmm. important to me. Uh, but I think it has evolved and changed in what it looks like as I've also yeah. grown and evolved. And I mm -hmm. love that. Even how I've related to prayer, I think seeing that change throughout my mm -hmm. life has been nice. So I think that's the top line there. 
Absolutely. That's amazing. And, and, and what, what was sticking out to me uh, is the fact that faith and hope aren't necessarily the same thing. And we can think of them as, as synonyms at times, but they're not. And I think sometimes I've often told people that um, it, is, it is because I have faith that there are times that I despair because I know that this is not the way it should be. Yes. Say and, that and, one again. Say that one again. Yes. Right? And so, and so it's interesting that you can be a person who, who is faithful. Yeah. Who, and, but, and, but a part of that faithfulness is a lament yes. <laughs> that you also hold because you're like, this is broken and this, yes. this, is, this should not be what it is, right? And we got to hit on that because I, I think sometimes people hear faith and I think there's a lot of cynicism around faith, rightly so, right? Because right. it's often right. tied to religion and a lot of our religious For organizations sure. and institutions have failed us. But there is a difference um, and it's important we don't miss that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So no, that's a good reminder. I hope y'all put that in your pocket and yes. think about that. Let marinate on that a little bit. Yes, marinate on that a little bit. It taught me how to lament. And if you're not absolutely. able to mourn the difficult things, it's really hard to enjoy the good. And I feel like yeah. that's the thing that has allowed me to honestly not just survive, but thrive in the space is learning mm -hmm. how to mourn deeply and truly when there are days where there is no good news. And mm. it means that on the good days, I can laugh about that That's funny right. dog video or whatever it is. Absolutely. Because I know there's joy in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, when I first began to study many years back as a trauma therapist, people would, people outside of that context would say to me, like, you are so silly. And I was like, <laughs> because I love to laugh, I am going to show up and have a good time. Yeah. And part of it is because I know what devastation looks like. Look. And I know how long it can last. I can know that there, I know that there are things that people don't carry with them that happened when they were five, well into their fifties and sixties and seventies or they take to the grave. Yeah. And so when we have an opportunity to laugh, I, I'm like, oh, you need to get, get all, squeeze all the joy out of that funny moment yes. <laughs> that you can yes. squeeze out of it. So I definitely relate uh, to that sentiment. I'm wondering though, Clay, is there a moment uh, in your work uh, that still taps you on the shoulder? Um, a moment that, um, yeah, that's, that still kind of laps in your memories that really, uh, typifies what we're talking about being rooted or grounded in faith, but also knowing that lament is real and suffering is real. Is there some, is there a story? Is there a guest? Is there a moment that, uh, still kind of walks with you? Yeah. A few come to mind. Um, I think back, so I got into, you know, right now I'm broadcast journalist and anchor. And I started honestly in photography behind the camera and then a documentary film. And, you know, I know, you know, Michelle Higgins is in your family. I'm, I'm staring at your, your book right here. Love. <laughs> it's on my shelf. Um, but my first film was documenting the movement for black lives specifically out of Ferguson and, you know, media had sort of swarmed right? And I say media as the amorphous, I, I'm in that. And I remember being struck and it didn't sit well that it felt like the moment had passed in terms of coverage, but I knew the story continued. And so for me, my film was trying to focus on the role of faith, the role of women, um, and the role of young people in the movement after all the cameras, right, had left. And that sticks out to me because that, I think, was the first time I had a true intersection of vocation and faith 
and that inner turbulence. Because mm-hmm. I remember coming back from Missouri mm-hmm. and it was difficult because it felt like everyone wasn't talking about it. Right. It was just this thing that had happened and it was done. It was gone. And I think that can be hard in news in general. Right. We go and we cover these mass shootings. And in the moment we're in it, we're we're talking about it live. We're trying to get people the information. We're trying to make sure it's accurate and truthful. Mm -hmm. But often it means we come back and, and people have moved on and we're like still in it. And we're still hearing the echoes of the mother or in the case of, you know, the film I had done the activists I'd spoken with and the pastors I had sat down with in the basements of their churches. And I think for me, cause you asked like what has stuck with you that has always remained with me because, because of the topics I cover, I'm often meeting people at their most vulnerable point. And so I always, and there've been plenty of studies, right. Of journalism and the good of it, but also some of the challenges of it. And so I keep, my experience with my film with me, because I try always to remind myself and I do have to remind myself, right? Yes, I'm covering it in this moment, but this is this person's life. So how do we respect it and honor it? And also make sure that anyone I'm talking to always knows they have choice, right? I I try Mm. and I, I think it can become, I've always been very averse to the phrasing that I hear from a lot of content creators or media people, uh, I'm a voice for the voiceless. I really, Mm. I hope to never say that because Mm -hmm. I believe everyone has a voice. It's -hmm. just a matter of passing the microphone, right? It's just a matter of giving them a platform if they want one. And so I think that for me, that film was formative in teaching me um, just some really basic skills, Mm -hmm. but things that I wouldn't have known unless I had, gotten to really sit with people and also hear their critiques, right. Of media uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and keep that with me in all the work I do. It's amazing. I, I want to dig into that a bit more. What, and as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking what's coming to mind is the, the ethical stewardship that guides your work. Yeah. And, and I know that's more than just journalism school. That's more than, <laughs> there's there's some additional things. I want to get more into your story. We're going to pause here as we do, as the Kimini says, keep it locked. You know, we <laughs> long to be on the radio back in the 1990s. <laughs> but we're going to, you're going to keep it locked, listen to these commercials and support these organizations. And then we'll be back listening to more of our sister's story. Thank you. Something Someday is the stunning new picture book by presidential inaugural poet Amanda Gorman and Caldecott honor-winning illustrator Christian Robinson. You're told that this won't work, but how will you know if you never try? The number one New York Times bestselling author Amanda Gorman and Christian Robinson have created a timeless message of hope. Sometimes the world feels broken and problems seem too big to fix. But somehow, we all have the power to make a difference. With a little faith, and maybe the help of a friend, together we can find beauty and create change. With intimate and inspiring text and powerfully stunning illustrations, something someday reveals how even the smallest gesture can have a lasting impact. Buy something someday wherever books are sold. And we are back. And I have have been learning so much, and I have been enjoying getting to know uh, Zinclay Essamwa. And she is just 
brilliant and delightful. And y'all, y'all got to look at the pictures because she is gorgeous. Oh, Christine, and- you're making it easy because I got to say, as a journalist, I do not like being interviewed. So thank <laughs> I know. Well, see, well this, we can just call this a conversation. A conversation yes. is what yes. this is. And so, uh, but, but you're doing great. And you know, the thing about it is it's like me as a therapist. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't get to just therapize. I got to I got to tell my truth too. So yeah. sometimes we have to we have to turn the tables a bit. But you're hanging in there, and thanks for sharing all this great information with us. I, you mentioned um, kind of the way that you shepherd or that you that you move through hearing people's stories. At what can be some of the most painful moments in their lives, where a camera is right in their face, and the and the way that you you steward those moments in really mindful, thoughtful ways. And I just thought about just the way you're leading with a certain type of ethical stewardship that I really appreciate. Mm. And there's a, there's a cynicalness, right. As it relates to the media, um, as if the people who do the media are not uh, human beings (laughs) and and theologically here at the table, we would talk about, you know, the fact that they are image bearers, the people Mm. who do the news. Right. And even if we have critiques about content and influence, we can never forget the dignity of the people behind the camera in front of the camera and all those things. And so, just a really great reminder of that for our audience. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your family story and background. You mentioned kind of this, uh, both Ghana and Uganda as a part of your story. And I'm convinced that's got to be a part of what's helping to shape this kind of ethical stewardship and your creative imagination. So introduce us to your people. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I also appreciate you honing in on that because my pastor always says, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And so being present with people is so key. So yeah, Mm. I... I love the diaspora. Uh, it, it's in me. It's in my veins. I have roots. Uh, my dad, Ghana, West Africa. My mom, Uganda East. They met in sunny Massachusetts. Why they chose that coast, I will never know. My first name, though, is actually from South Africa. So ah. it's just been, it's always a doozy. People are like, you, what? It's interesting. I think I was mm. blessed to get to grow up traveling to both places maybe every other year. Unfortunately, I only speak American. And I, as I like to say, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, between the two of them, they must speak like six languages. And Mm -hmm. I, they Mm -hmm. couldn't impart one on me. But (laughs) as a result, they were really busy. They were really busy because (laughs) I don't know, I, I guess I'm doing all right. But because of that, I think I had to develop sort of this attunement to cross-cultural communication, right? The unspoken Mm -hmm. things and being surrounded by so many people from different countries, not just when we were traveling, but also in the U.S., right? I'm the first American Mm -hmm. citizen in my entire family on both sides. So, Mm -hmm. and they really came here with, you know, nothing physically, Mm -hmm. I think spiritually and emotionally with so much. Mm -hmm. And so for me, A, it, gave a deep sense of curiosity, mm-hmm. but also I think a deep sense of gratitude, both mm-hmm. in a positive way and maybe less, you know, less positive, right? Because you always have the, well, there are people and so, so-and-so who don't have food to eat, so you need to finish your, t- your plate of food. Well, okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we can reframe, but it also mm-hmm. gives you a gratitude knowing the sacrifices that were made, um, you know, voluntarily, uh, and the also different opportunities I had literally side by side compared to maybe cousins, same age, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Same family structure, just different place. That's and right. so I think for me, that was sort of the base framework. 
and line. But then it also just has always given me this global perspective. I think we can accidentally, Mm -hmm. my dad always reminds me, he's like, simply by being here in the US, you're essentially in the top you know, don't cite me, don't source me out. This is not a story. I haven't done. You're essentially, though, in the 1% of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Just by being here. Don't don't get me wrong. As I said, I cover poverty. There's deep poverty in this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's been a good reminder not to become too Eurocentric, um, Mm -hmm. or even just like, centered on yourself. I think mm-hmm. it's a fine mm-hmm. line. And I know you're a therapist, right? I love therapy. I'm in therapy. I'm all for mental health. <laughs> yes. Yay. Everybody hear that? No, therapy. Want therapy. I love my therapist. Where would I be? Right. It's one of my favorite times of the week, but I think we can accidentally fall into a trap where everything mm-hmm. is about the latest drama in our own life. And I That's think right. thankfully with my family story, it, it's been a strong reminder of there's so much more. And I love my grandma. She's my only living grandparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the one I've gotten to know the best. She's based mm-hmm. in Uganda. And like for perspective, this is my mom's mom. She lives on a farm that she runs like a boss, but mm-hmm. like they only got f- full powered electricity, you know, in my lifetime. And so I think it's mm-hmm. just a different experience, right. but getting to stay in touch with my family and then see them a little less. Right. And I think that's also, that's where I'll end. Like my background has also taught me grief and mourning, right? Because mm-hmm. it can be really hard. I, I think this is something that's not talked about a, the impact of colonialism, right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to how we think about race that's and right. the black experience, and it is different for those mm-hmm who voluntarily immigrated, right? But, but colonialism has also reigned its head on the continent and has repercussions on families. But I think also, secondly, the grief that comes when your family is far away. And so for me, my, you know, I have my immediate family here, but everyone else is there, right? And I think sometimes we just think like, oh, it's the fun, like you go to Ghana for December, you got Afrochella, it's all great. And it's like, it is fun, but then it can be less fun, right? When it's the holidays and you got to go a few years and you people pass away, people have babies. It's a game of catch up. So I think all to say my experience has taught me the importance of nuance in everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, do, do you consider yourself first gen? When I you, do. When, okay. And how, do, how do you think that, um, that your first gen vantage point informs your storytelling, especially as you're thinking about life in the United States? Mm. I think it's encouraged me to always think about the many identities and experiences people hold because we really are icebergs. There's so much below the surface. And for me, I only recently realized this about myself. You know, I was doing some girls trips, whatever. And a few people, it was a few trips. And when I came back, People are like, oh, did it go as you expected it to go? And I realize I'm not someone who goes in with a lot of expectation or assumption. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that's come in part from my experience as a first gen, mm-hmm. because you know you're carrying this essentially some invisible identities, right? For some, it's very visible. For others, you can't tell. Um, so you're holding these invisible mm-hmm. identities, and people can make assumptions about you, whether it's your socioeconomic background, your life experience, all of these things. But I think it's just taught me to approach people with less assumption. Um, But also, I think it's important 
nothing is black and white, both figuratively and literally, right? Because I, That's you know, right. I know you talk about race a lot on the podcast in your book, and I think we can fall into black white binaries. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to get into like anti blackness is the root of a lot of racism and systemic issues, and you know, we also all carry our own forms of privileges. And I think that's important Absolutely. to name. And I think as a storyteller and journalist, it's my first gen identity has been helpful in that sense because mm-hmm. I can, you know, a lot of my reporting's in the South. I, I did a lot of reporting on the Jackson water crisis. Mm-hmm. If I'm going there. I can identify the privilege of, okay, I live in one of the most expensive cities in the country, right? I, I have a higher ed degree. I Like there are things um, that have given me unique opportunity while also being able to acknowledge the many disadvantages I face. So, yeah, I think, I think that's a bit of it. Yeah, no, no. So helpful. Right. I mean, I think the self-awareness, I mean, no matter what our vantage point is, it, I, I would say that it is an, it's an asset to the extent that we can see it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we right. can name it for what it is. Right. Um, that we're not just like, a cultural in our minds, right? But that we can see it and then we can lift it up and kind of turn it around a bit to see like, what are all the shades and pieces that make this up? And I imagine as a storyteller, that own, that your own self-curiosity is projected out into your curiosity of the person that you're interviewing and the story that yes. you're telling. So I'm just so glad to hear you hear you talk a bit about that. And you mentioned your your grandmother ah, on this, grandma. you know, shout out, shout out to the, to the grandmamas all around Ooh. the globe. Um, you know, the, the African diaspora grandmother is a, is an institution. Put Look. some respect on her name. Grandma's prayers. <laughs> Don't mess with grandma's prayers. Listen. That's what I say. If people, if the haters come, be careful. Cause I got grandma's prayers. So that's. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, I, I often tell people, I was like, there, I've got somebody in my family line that was, that was praying for me back in, back in 1810. And I'm telling you, those prayers are showing up today. Yes. So, uh, so, so tell us, I know you mentioned that, um, you know, part of your, uh, your documentary work, I, I believe you're hoping to tell her story a little bit. Can you share a yeah. bit about that? Yeah. So it's been a sincere, like passion project, mm-hmm. but I just love, as I mentioned, my grandma's my only living grandparent. And just hearing her story as someone who literally was born and grew up in a mud hut that could collapse mm-hmm. if there was too much rain to mm-hmm. now having grandchildren across the world and mm-hmm. a home of her own that she manages. Mm-hmm. I think her story is just so moving. And so I've sort of taken it upon myself to collect her oral history. And mm-hmm. I think it'll be my last film for a little while, at least personal project of sorts. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just hoping to amplify her story. I won't spoil the name yet because I don't know if it's fully confirmed. Oh, but exciting, I'm just though. hoping to, honestly, the purpose of it was for my family. And I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that all the generations to come who are based in the U.S. always remember where their roots are from. And for me, that's just a core value, right? You need to know where you came from to better inform where you are going and can go. And so I'm excited about that one. It's always important. I'm a big believer to your point of like, we have many identities, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a hobbyist. I'm always doing Mm -hmm. stuff. I love (laughs) making my films and highlighting my family and just crafting. And so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fun to, to preserve that part of me too. Well, so before we get into the fact that that your name is congratulations, because uh, 
that's one of my that's one of my favorite you know Instagram you know audio sounds is my name is congratulations so I you know we are we are as pleased as punch about this Emmy nomination. Um, hello, hello, hello. I'm still processing. I know. Well, I'm gonna let you process it a little bit because I'm because before you talk about that, mm. we're gonna talk about this crafting, okay? And what what have you been out here making and creating? And you you mentioned that like during during know, the, the COVID years, <laughs> which you know flashback trauma trauma. But you people picked up all kinds of of, of habits and and good things. <laughs> well so tell us a little bit about what what you started to create oh my gosh yeah and it's so funny because it's like my least commodifiable hobby i guess but that maybe <laughs> why it's most enjoyable it's not, it's not it's not tied to the capitalistic enterprise <laughs> exactly <laughs> um the the top version is i've always been someone who loves to craft but what does that mean use my hands and repurpose things i think sustainability is very mm -hmm. important to me and actually when i think back to the roots of it i do think it's my african roots because mm -hmm. if you go to the continent the way people repurpose things create <laughs> i've seen entire bags made out of like soda bottles right so i think Amazing. Mm -hmm. i've always been a little off put by waste and so during mm -hmm. covid living in and i stayed in new york through covid which is its own form of intensity i'll say to say the least um this stooping culture developed have you heard about this christina i have not heard about this oh, Lord. okay so Edu educate me with the new york of, ways yeah <laughs> some of the aunties will frown and some will smile upon this so basically okay. no one else in the aunties now <laughs> new york is the site of a lot of wealth so people will leave things out like mm. literally on the sidewalk Okay. So like to give away, <laughs> not stealing. Oh, okay. okay. But there's this scooping <laughs> culture where people like will literally post when they leave something out and you can take it. Oh, okay. Yes. So I, I, did, I did not know that had a name. The neighborhood that I live name. in does that in the Facebook page. They're like, hey, I'm putting this out. Y'all can come. It's a name. This Look, is good New York, to like, know. we like to brand things. It, well, that's all right. <laughs> but basically, I, I started repurposing old furniture, a lot of wood stuff. Got myself oh, wow. a grill. I have a sander. So I've flipped. Let's go. I know. Look, okay. Uh, I like, like you got a sander? Look, I like to call myself <laughs> Babe the Builder. Come on now. Uh, copyright pending. But, uh, so it's been a fun hobby. And I, mean, I love that. Now I paint all my apartments. Don't tell my landlord. Uh, it's fun. It's a great time. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, listen, did, did, did you hear that, sisters at the table? You go out and get yourself a sander. <laughs> Okay, because okay. I know the girlies love their fast fashion. Y'all love your 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 twenty four hour delivery. However, we got to think about the the repercussions. Who Come is on. suffering? And I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer. No, no, no. Take, right? Listen, take us there. Take <laughs> us there. <laughs> Who is suffering so that you can get your expedited delivery when maybe you don't even need it? So I think mm. I through all my things, right? Not just my stories, but just how I'm living. I, I try and be as responsible as I can. I don't always get it right, but that's right. Do any right. of us? Well, that's a fact. We don't, and mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 day by day. It's step by step, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, making good, purposeful steps towards what's just, what's whole, what's yeah. pure. So now we're gonna talk about this Emmy nomination. I gave you a moment to let it marinate, okay? Ooh. And I know I know it's a shocker, but listen, it, it it's not a whole lot of people listening. Tell us how you really feel ah! about that Emmy nomination <laughs> coming your way. Uh. Uh, I was so, and am so excited and honored and elated. It was funny. I was 
naturally working when mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I learned about it. And I didn't even, you know, they don't send you an email or anything. And thank you to the, who do I think? The Academy, everything. Listen, this is no whoever, shame. Whoever you are, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because it was a tweet. That's how, and someone texted me wow. a phone tweet. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I think Amazing. for me, yeah, I, I had an incredibly non-traditional route in this field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to joke that I'm the opposite of a Nepo baby, right? I had no connections. I literally started behind mm-hmm. the camera. I remember when I first started going in front of the camera, I also, I remember I was like, I'm not doing makeup. I don't do like, I just was very unconventional. <laughs> and so I right. think because of that, there, it can be hard to get that validation Right. Mm-hmm. Because when you look different, it's like circle into a square peg. It can be mm-hmm. um, hard to be seen. Right. Yeah. And to have your um, contributions valued. And so I think for me, it was very touching to get the nomination because it did feel like and it was the case that last year I literally gave my mm-hmm. blood, sweat and tears to the yeah. job. Do I recommend that? Not necessarily. And I say blood, mm-hmm. I did, because I got my first stitches literally on the job. Oh, my. I don't think we have time. It was scissors. I was trying to open something. Let's well. just say I ended up at the ER getting my first stitches ever. And wow. the best irony, Christina, I was doing a story on rural healthcare deserts. So mm. anyway, all to say. Yeah. You, 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 get, you get very connected to your story. I get connected. You could call it method acting. You know, Listen, I don't recommend the, getting the, the The empathy is, is truly hard wrought in you. Um, so all to say, I, I'm very grateful. And yeah, I'm just feeling blessed. And also like shout out to my co-nominees. Because it's also, I will say, incredibly exciting to see where the field of media is going. Mm-hmm. And to see... Like, actually, I'm, I'm less of an anomaly now, right? Like, there are more chances and opportunities for people of different backgrounds and experiences to get into this space and to be recognized as highly talented, highly skilled um, figures in it. So that's exciting to me. Well, I have a question for you. And before before we shift gears and we go into something here that we call force fun, okay? Ooh, where we you say where forced we, fun? Force fun, because this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I like it. I call it fundatory. That's what I call fundatory. It. It's mandatory fun. I like that. Maybe we'll embrace that. We will definitely give you credit. We do believe in sight black women. Okay. We will look, I know we got some PhDs in the group. Okay. <laughs> we will definitely give you your credit. There's someone that's listening right now. Who's like, Oh, I'm, I'm really vibing. I'm inspired. I'm connecting and I'm learning so much about Zinclay and it's actually holding up a mirror to who I am. And i I want to give you the space to just speak to our audience. And it could be whatever you've been chewing on, whatever you've been thinking about, whatever's just popping in your heart and mind right now. Ooh. Something that you want to say to that person who on the other side of their of their earbuds <laughs> that you that you would want them to know um, uh, a, a moment of, of wisdom and you have wisdom to give mm. uh, something that you would want to just share with our audience. Ooh. I got to pause for a moment, which I love that your podcast also gives space for pause. I think a few things, um, always affirmations, right? You are enough. Your experience is valid. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling unwelcome in a space, doesn't mean it's you. My, my, my. Say that again. Say that again. Look. 
if you're feeling unwelcome in a yes. space, it does not mean it's you. Yes. And I think that's a lesson I've, I've taking things less personally, right? Knowing when it's not me. It doesn't mean it doesn't bother you, right? But it's okay. I think um, something I deeply believe in and have been saying for a long time is never be too proud or too shy to ask a question. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. I do mm -hmm. think as black women, we got to be strategic now. Okay. Sometimes we got to ask each other the question or, you know, sit Hello. around the table. Look, okay. Hello. We're like, we're like, who asked this question at what time? Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. If I get to talk, it's rarely that I get to break the, the fourth wall. Right. Cause mm -hmm. like, uh, when you're doing TV, but I just think I want to shower my sisters with affirmations. Like you are beautiful. Amen. Mm -hmm. Right. You are enough and know that it always gets better. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, well, that's that faith holding hands with hope, right? Look. Okay. And mm -hmm. I say that, like, I think it can, people say that sometimes at the worst time, right? Like mm -hmm. someone just passed away. They're like, it'll get better. It's like, yeah, that's not the time. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not what I mean. I yeah. just mean, keep going. And if going looks like, I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> if Amen. going looks like, I might have to mute this person on Instagram. That's right. right. If going looks like, we're going to practice. I'm going to say my boundaries in the mirror so I can practice mm -hmm. saying it at work. That's Whatever right. you have to do, sis. Okay. And know that you're not alone in it. Oh, well, let me tell you something. You, you hit that ball out of the park. So so we're going to go to our fundatory, a, a term as coined by our guest today. You heard it first, okay? <laughs> so we want, to, we want to give you full credit on that. We're moving into our fundatory segment. And so here is my first question for you. Yeah. One, one has got to go. And, and again, this, the, the, the particular names that I'm going to say are definitely situated in the U.S. context, okay? okay. Uh, but one has got to go. Aretha. <laughs> Whitney. Oh, this is rude. Why would we do this? Uh, Shaka. Mm. And Anita. Ah. One has got to go. And and uh, this is tends to be our most controversial question on the True Stable podcast. I feel like you're trying to get me canceled. I <laughs> I'm not. I I feel like you're trying to get me canceled. But it's, it's, all, it's all about how you rationalize your selection. That, that, that will help you. So just you pick your person and then you, then you make sense out of it. That'll, that'll give you some grace. Is it bad if I say Shaka? You can say Shaka. Look at your face. <laughs> no, you can say Shaka. I'm. Say what you're going to say now. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so scared. Can I just say who I want to protect at all costs? Go ahead. Yes, you, you can do that. We'll let you, since, since you created fundatory. Look, okay, look. In I honor of your terminology, we will let you, we'll, we'll remix this just for you, just this time. Go ahead. Uh, because I have to protect Whitney at all costs because I'm a sucker for like ballads slash like I just know. I know soaring. I mean, the national anthem. I still, sometimes I I'll know. just go and watch it. And then wait, who was the first person you named? Because Aretha. Aretha. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Ooh. No worries. No worries. We, we, we heard you and we hear you. We, and we I'm see I'm so you. sorry to anybody I personally <laughs> I regret the error. That's right. That, listen, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, 
So here's the next question. If and I'm and they know I'm a Marvel I'm a Marvel fan. I'm into the Oh wait, fun. The, I'm into the stuff. So if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh, teleportation. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's I what don't I'm understand about. how anyone answers that question differently. Do you need my whys? Y'all yeah, break it down. It's hard to get out of the house anytime, right? There's so much to do. I feel like you become an adult and there's just more to do. And then, you know, the women, the girlies. I minimum I need my brows. Like minimum. <laughs> Teleportation, I get myself together and we're there. I mean, we are on. literally there. That's come on. I mean, that might be the most type A type thing I have said today, but No, I'm I'm, I, I'm I am with you on that. We get some folks who will say things like mind reading or they could be no invisible. Thanks. And I'm all I'm always analyzing those things. But I <laughs> But I, I, I can't cut it off, Zinclair. I can't cut it off. But teleportation, I totally get that, especially as someone who is trying to go on vacation soon. I'm, yeah. I'm all about that. I, wouldn't, so here, I would not want to be a mind reader, actually. No. Oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to no. know. Um, so, so, so here is the last fundatory question as, as, as coined by you. Uh, if we were to get into your vehicle, if you, if you, if you have a vehicle or whatever your means of transportation might be, the New York subway. Uh, All right. there you go. There you go. Or if we were just to listen to your, to your, your ear pods, what song would we hear? Ooh, song easy. Well, first of all, it would be Beyonce. Okay. I would like the record to show. She, she's very popular by the way. I mean, I like the record <laughs> to show that at one point, everybody knows Spotify wrapped. Mm -hmm. And I happen to be in her 0.05% of listeners. Okay, so I'm committed. Wow. I'm, I know. It's a little... Wow. I don't know if that's something I should brag about, actually. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if that's a problem. We, we do not we do not ju judge uh, the, the beehive and its its community. We do not. I, honestly, it's not safe to. It's not a good idea. I don't recommend it. It's not safe to. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Uh, what song? Lord, the whole Renaissance album, but... There's a song that's not actually on the album, but it's in the live performance, which tells you I'm in too deep. So let mm -hmm. me just give you the generic answer and say, oh, you know what? Heated. I've been listening to Heated a lot and Cuff Okay. Cuff it. So. All right. Well, they, well, they, look, the, the, the Beyonce fans who are listening, mm. they are, they are there with you. They're, there's, they're, they're, they're in the zone with Thank you right you. now. We know we got some Beyonce fan listeners out there. Thank All you. right. Well, tell the people how to follow your work. Uh, if they're not already seeing you on the TV, <laughs> but but how to follow your work, how to support your work. Absolutely. And I guess I'm like, oh, I should have said what you hear in my AirPods is truth's table. OK, <laughs> that's, that's OK. It's all right. But how to follow the work? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. People can totally follow me on all the platforms at Simply Zinclay. My name is, is not spelt how it sounds. Z-I-N is in Nancy, H-L-E. And please watch a girl because it helps. <laughs> that's if right. you want to support, that's the way to do it. My show is 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on NBC News Now. Literally anywhere you stream, like Apple TV, Hulu, Peacock. Literally, if you just type it into YouTube for free, just look up NBC News Now and I'll be there. We also stream on the actual television, um, which is kind of fun. And yeah, catch me outside. But for now, <laughs> catch, me, catch me in your ears here. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, it has been a pleasure. And, and sisters, I'm, we're so delighted to be able to introduce you to you at Truth's Table, Zinclay 
SMY, and she has been a fantastic conversational partner at this table today. Not an interview, a conversation. Hey, you're right. My bad. My bad. A conversation and a great one. Thank you, Christina. Yes, absolutely. It's really been a blessing. 